All right. It is like 2 o'clock in the morning today uh, when I get started with, I think, Monday's podcast. I'm supposed to have Tuesday off. I try to take Tuesday off when it comes to podcasting. I'm trying to get back into podcasting every single day because I think I've found enough games to watch uh, where we can cast some football games and some basketball games. I already got like a couple of basketball games going on. Uh, not even going on, excuse me, but recorded already, waiting, waiting to be casted. Uh, some of them are definitely games that you've probably seen. I've seen them, but I like some of the games that I have recorded. We're not going to obviously watch them today, probably on Wednesday, but I do want to keep the daily podcast essentially going, and I do want to be able to get podcasts out. I do take Tuesdays off now. Uh, because I feel like that's kind of the lull of the loop of the week when it comes to information. Like Monday is when a lot of information comes in, and then Tuesday is when things kind of die down, and then Wednesday and Thursday, Friday is when things pick back up again, and then the weekend is kind of dead. So Tuesday I take off, and then Wednesday I'll be back. But technically today is Tuesday because it's 2 o'clock in the morning, because I think, unfortunately, for like four hours, maybe three hours, I was playing StarCraft two. Uh, that was <laughs> that was a mistake, but it was a a fun mistake while I was making it. It kind of sucks now that I have to record a, a hour long podcast uh, at two o'clock in the morning when I would literally like to be editing my video uh, that I have planned for tomorrow. Just I gotta get some work done, but whatever. You know, I'm 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Also. A heavy procrastinator as well. I should also have that uh, as the title of my podcast today. So, what will we be talking about today? Well, I was looking at this article as I was procrastinating getting this podcast done, uh, playing StarCraft 2, and it was about ESPN and who they could potentially get to fill the Monday night booth. Shocker, it will not be Pat McAfee, but you'll be surprised at some of the names that they have. Um, also, Dak's contract is still not fucking done. It's April. It's it's April 7th, and the contract is still not gotten done. I have no idea what the Joneses are doing, but the Joneses, they, they unfortunately march by the beat of their own drum, and that's not necessarily a good thing, especially if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. What else do I got for you today? Uh... Oh yeah, um, a game in which Lamar Jackson, everybody says, well, he can't throw, he can't do this, he can't do that, blah, 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 and um, I'll, I'll be talking about a game where Lamar Jackson had a great game when it came to his uh, his ability to throw the football, and also I'll be going over the Dallas Cowboy game that I casted last night, you can find that on my podcast, Dallas versus the Giants, it was the Odell Beckham Jr. catch, I'll talk about the quarterback play that I saw there, actually, as I am talking about talking about that football game, let me go back to that football game and let me start uh, watching that here so that way we can get things going. Okay, first and foremost, what should I talk about here today? Let's talk about Lamar Jackson against the Rams. Now, a lot of people like to throw out this weird narrative that Lamar Jackson cannot throw the football If you've been following the podcast for the last six, maybe seven months, you know how much I like this guy, Lamar Jackson. Like his ability, not just to run, but obviously to throw the football. I'm a huge quarterback guy. I love quarterbacks. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the type of dude to fall in love with a quarterback just because he's on my team, like Dak Prescott or whatever. It's not like I love Dak Prescott because he's on my team. I like him a lot because he's a great quarterback. And he's up and coming as a quarterback, meaning that he will still improve as his career goes on. What exactly is his ceiling? I don't really fucking know, if I'm honest with you, because uh, every single issue and weakness that Dak Prescott has had since the start of his career, he's kind of found a way to to compensate for it, right? His accuracy, or maybe not compensate, but improve his weaknesses. Uh, not even improve, but cover up. Yeah, I guess improve his weaknesses is a great uh, is a great phrase to use. And like in in his rookie year, he may not have been that great of a down the field thrower. He may not necessarily have been that accurate as a passer, even though his passer rating was great. Not his passer rating, his completion percentage was great. He couldn't necessarily throw the football down the field that much. And when he did, he, he I mean, the guy was wide open, or it was Des Bryant, if I'm honest with you. 
In his second year, you, you started to see him have some issues because he relied probably a little bit too much on the run game. I mean, he had a sophomore slump. Everybody made a big deal about it. I I didn't. I was like, the team sucked, if I'm honest with you. A lot of the issues that came with the Dallas Cowboys uh, during that season weren't necessarily Dak Prescott's fault. The offensive line was terrible. The wide receiving core was terrible. His tight ends weren't necessarily uh, the playmakers that you would see probably next year. And then on top of that, uh, his, his defense was abysmal. But that's kind of, I mean, I could go on and on and on about Dak Prescott if I'm honest with you. I won't because I want to talk about other quarterbacks, especially Lamar Jackson. Now, what I've seen from him, and I've seen, I don't, I wouldn't say every single game of his, but I've seen a lot of his football games in the last two years, almost three years, really. And his ability to throw the football from year one to year two has drastically improved. We're talking about a dude that has become almost as accurate as they come when it comes to, that sounded weird, uh, As uh, yeah, almost as accurate as they come when it comes to throwing the football, and I don't know how he improved so drastically when it comes to his accuracy and his ability to throw the football, not only down the field, but the intermediate and the short, uh, the short throws, just seeing Tony Romo on my screen right now throwing a triple coverage to Des Bryant. But Lamar, he doesn't throw into triple covers that much. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, as evident by, I think he threw for like 35 or 33 touchdowns and like six interceptions. Like he was absolutely fantastic last season when it came to his efficiency, not just obvious, not not like quarterback rating and QBR, but we're talking like uh, touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, that's like, that's I don't even know the touchdown to interception ratio. That's like five to one. That's insane how many touchdowns and interceptions he had. And um, everybody says that he ran a lot and things of that nature. It's like, yeah, he can run. He can do all that stuff that you see on television and that they put on highlights and the spin moves and things of that nature. But again, it's his ability to, to freaking pass the football. Going back to the Rams game that I was mentioning before, he threw five touchdowns in that game. And they were they were fantastic touchdowns. We're not talking like five total touchdowns. We're talking five complete touchdowns. Let me pull them up. Five through the air. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Let me let me pull them up. Let me find them for you. Because these because he was blowing the front door off of a good if not great defense in the Rams, and I was like, this dude is absolutely insane versus. Uh, versus the Rams, and I'm like, there's no way he's going to freaking show these dudes up, show these guys up in such a huge way like that, but he absolutely did, he he, sh- he shredded them, I don't know how many yards he had, let me, let me I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm trying to get to his highlights on YouTube, uh, but I got an ad here, I'm about to skip it, it's a 30 second ad with five, with a five second timer to skip, let me go ahead and do that, let me find his first touchdown, yep, there it is, Hollywood Brown, wide open on third and four, let me see some. Uh, let me see the first drive here. Bad kick by the punter. This is uh, this is the first kickoff. Lamar is going to have great field position, forty-five yard line of uh, the Ravens. He's going to give it to Mark Ingram. Big hole for him. Gains ten yards. He's now inside Rams territory. Second and six. Pulls it on the read option inside the twenty-five yard line of the Rams. Inside the ten now. When it comes to this touchdown pass, they just. The defense, because Lamar and the Baltimore Ravens on this specific drive have ran the football so efficiently and so effectively, not only with the uh, with the running back, but also with the quarterback as well. So Hollywood Brown slips behind the defense. They have a spy out for Lamar in case he wants to run. And, uh, and Hollywood, he just slips past the spy. Uh, somebody, I don't know if it's zone or whatever, but it looks like they're... Um, uh, whoever was covering Hollywood was looking way too hard in the backfield, and Lamar m- reads the defense as they're as they're just honing in on him. And this is after Mark Ingram has already gone out and he's running his route. But Lamar reads that the defense has just dropped all coverage on Hollywood Brown, and by dropped I mean they've just forgotten about him, and he just slips in on the one yard line, and nobody's there to touch him. Touchdown Ravens! Great job by Lamar reading the defense on this play. I'm only in it for the Lamar Jackson highlight. 
uh, highlights. I think they score on each of their like five or six possessions. And by score, I mean score a touchdown. Here's Lamar throwing it. A lot of time. Gets sacked on second and seven. On third and 12 here. He's going to give it to Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. I think they're going to punt it here. Or they know they're going to go for it. It's like fourth and two. They're just going to give it to Lamar in the shotgun. Quarterback keeper. He does gain the first down. They're inside the 20 now. Deep drop back by Lamar. Oh, that's a beautiful ball. Bang. When I saw this throw from Lamar, I think it was Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I can't remember where. I was casting a a bunch of football games. This is at the 18-yard line of the Rams. And Lamar's in the shotgun. He's got five receivers. He's got three tight ends on the football field, right? Hollywood Brown is going to work up the field in the slot. And I don't know who's supposed to be covering him. I think it was a corner. Oops, sorry about that. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I, I, I can't remember where I, I muted myself by accident. I apologize. I can't remember where I muted myself because I didn't see it in time. I was just pressing pause all the time. But on this specific drive or, or on this specific play, this is Lamar Jackson's second touchdown of the game. This is about a minute and 36 seconds left in the first quarter. Lamar Jackson at his, uh, not at his, but at the Rams 18-yard line, deep drop back by him. A corner, It's a cornerback blitz, and either when he looks to the right side of the football field, he either recognizes that it is a cornerback blitz because nobody's covering uh, Hollywood, or he sees him out of the corner of his eye. Either way, this ball is going to Hollywood. He fits it perfectly inside uh, the two corners that were supposed to be covering Hollywood Brown. It's a little bit behind Hollywood, but it's on the money. It's a perfectly thrown football, and it's, again, another touchdown for Hollywood Brown. He has two right now. He's about to have three. By the way, Jared Goff playing horribly in this football game. I think, oh, no, they. I was about to say I think they score a touchdown. They do not. Let me go back to Lamar Jackson here. He does, by the way. Uh, score on every single drive. I think for five drives. Again, touchdowns, by the way. Lamar Jackson. He's going to play action to his running back, but eh, the blocking, the protection wasn't there. This is kind of a bad play by Lamar because he doesn't... When when the protection breaks down, and I saw this in the playoffs, when protection breaks down like this, he either... He's looking to throw, and he really should look to throw here, but he also kind of stutters a little bit and looks also to run as well. And his decision making is is kind of like he kind of he knows that he can run, and he because he's Lamar Jackson, obviously, but he also feels like he can also pass, and he stutters just a little bit. And he tries to like here he should just take off if he's going to run, but he still looks, and he yeah, and it just it's it's just a bad it's just a breakdown. It's just not a great. Great job by Lamar reading the defense and reading what he should do. And I saw that a lot in the playoffs. Sometimes he was looking to run. Other times he was looking to pass. And he kind of just stuttered. And I think he just needs to, you know, trust his instincts a little bit more. Second and 14. They rush three. And the rush almost gets there. He fits it to Hollywood. Third and eight now. Third and six. Gained eight yards on that play. I don't know how he fit that in. He actually could have gone up another level to the tight end. And he probably would have had... Third and one or first down here. Deep drop back by Lamar. Delayed blitz. Gives it to his guy number 11. I think his name is Anderson. But I was very, very impressed with Lamar Jackson's decision making. Not just his ability, not not just his ability to run the football and know when and where to run it, but also his ability to throw the football as well. Just based upon those two touchdowns. I think this is going to be a beauty here. Now he's going to run it. He bobbled the snap. Turns up the football field. Oof. Runs almost all the way into the end zone. It's going to be like first and 10 at, I think, the one or the two yard. Two yard line, excuse me. I think they're going to give it to Mark Ingram. Yep. Bang. Touchdown. I was all predicated by a very, very long run. I think it was a 30 or 40 yard run by Lamar Jackson. Where Lamar Jackson, (laughs) watching Mark Ingram dance, in the end zone, where Lamar Jackson, I think he ran for like 30 to 40 yards because he had 
freaking all day to run. It was like a clear, it was clear as daylight. They're just giving it to the Rams right now. Everybody forgets that just how great and dynamic this offense was uh, last year. The big play capabilities coming out of the uh, the backfield, whether it was Mark Ingram who had a fantastic season or Lamar Jackson, it was just all around hellacious of a run game, but also through the air as well, which is what we're looking at right now. On second and four, Lamar Jackson throws to his tight end Andrews for a first down. Great job by him. Looking for a personal foul, helmet to helmet. They're going to get it. Bang. Uh, well, that's uh, it's more like shoulder to helmet. Bang, they're going to pull the ball. Lamar's going to pull the ball. He's fast. He will get that first down. It's not going to be first and 10, 35-yard line. He's going to give it to Gus Edwards, and Gus Edwards is going to get, like, freaking 10 yards as well. I know I said, I'm like, it's funny. It's like, I know that I said I was I was going to talk about Lamar's ability to throw. Hold on, second and nine. Right tackle gets beaten by Clay Matthews. Uh, the rest of the offensive line is doing a great job of protecting Lamar. But on this play specifically, 22 seconds left in the second quarter. Lamar has to have the presence of mind to understand Uh, essentially what he has to do here. He has one timeout. He can go for the field goal, but he doesn't necessarily have a lot of time if he wants to. But Clay Matthews just beats the right tackle and hits him with this stutter step move that he just bounces off the left tackle and is about to sack uh, Lamar. And Lamar has the presence within the pocket to not only just read that Clay Matthews has beaten his his right tackle, but he steps up, looks down the field, Sees nothing there. He's just going to dump it off on the underneath. Give it to his guy, Anderson. And Anderson's just going to take it 10, uh, not 10 yards, but within the 10-yard uh, line of the Rams. Lamar da- Jackson, excuse me, deep drop back. On first and goal, they're not giving him any time to throw. They blitz him. He's looking across the, the field. I already saw where he was going. Recognized that it was a blitz. And on top of that, threw it to his guy in the slot, Willie Sneed. Once he saw the blitz, he's like, once he saw that, not only once he saw the blitz, but once he saw that Willie Sneed was working up the middle of the football field when he was working in the slot, he's like, oh, that's an easy touchdown. Bang, bang, perfectly thrown football by Lamar Jackson to Willie Sneed. Again, this dude is disgustingly and disturbingly inaccurate, and this game is a great representation of it. Just watch all of his touchdown passes. Like, they're just, like, like this, this touchdown pass... The DB is covering it kind of well, but Lamar, he puts it he puts it only where his guy can get. Like, do you realize how hard it is to, to put it in a spot where a lot of people call this anticipation where you're putting it where your receiver will be and where your receiver can get the ball and not necessarily where he, where he was when you threw the football. Like, you're not throwing it in his chest. You're throwing it when he can stretch out his hands and reach out and catch the football. Again, on third and eight, Lamar, pocket collapses around him, steps up in the pocket. Clay Matthews, again, and and it's both his right tackle and his left tackle who get beat on this play, steps up, bang, throws down the football field for Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, one-on-one with Eric Weddle, turns it up the field inside the 30-yard line against the Rams. This this is starting to look a little bit like the freaking Chiefs offense uh, when they played in the Coliseum. I don't know what's up with the Rams, but apparently when they play up against teams like this, they get smoked. And now they're again inside the 10-yard line of the Rams. Again, talking about that efficiency with Lamar Jackson when uh, when he had that 30-something touchdown season, 33-36, something like that. This is what I'm talking about with, offic- with efficiency. Every single time he's in the red zone, he scores. He doesn't turn the ball over. I don't know if he had a red zone interception or an end zone interception, but if he did... Uh, I don't remember it, and he certainly did not have a red zone interception on uh, on this game whatsoever. He didn't have an interception on this game anyways. Sees that the defense is playing pretty well here. The coverage is there against all of his guys. Lamar looks. He just throws the underneath route, gives it to his playmaker, 21, Mark Ingram. That's a second of the day, and Mark Ingram is dancing, dancing, dancing. On the Rams, so that's four. I think four, four, four touchdowns. I think yeah, I think that's four. Thirty-five to six, by the way. Lamar Jackson, beautiful ball to Robertson. Now keep in mind, Lamar Jackson's wide receiving court during this game 
And during last season, I looked them up, and I was like, he needs more guys. He needs a big-bodied wide receiver. Hollywood Brown, I think, is shorter. No, I don't think. I know he's shorter than Lamar Jackson. He needs a guy. He needs a big boy. Big guy. I think the Ravens could be in the market for a big-bodied wide receiver in this upcoming draft, specifically for Lamar Jackson, because he has nobody. Besides its tight ends, of course. Imagine Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, um, Hayden Hurst or Boyle, whichever one they like. I think they traded away Hayden Hurst to, excuse me, to the Falcons. But imagine all those guys on that football team. They're gonna have one of the like. There's there's a, there's gonna be a lot of teams next year that are going to have significantly upgraded wide receiving cores because of the wide receivers that they're going to draft uh, in the next couple of weeks. When the draft happens on April 23rd, I keep saying it, man, that if your if your team if your team has a great quarterback or a good quarterback next year or not even next year but in a couple of weeks, you're gonna have a field day with your draft. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens they have their defense covered up. They may need to draft an offensive lineman because I think one of their best ones just retired in the offseason. But they're going to have a field day in the draft. They're going to be able to get wideouts for him. They may get DeAndre Swift if they want to continue uh, the theme of, you know, getting, you know, having a strong running uh, running core and helping take some of the pressure off Lamar Jackson. But they're going to be able to get a lot of weapons for their offense this offseason. I cannot wait to see what Lamar Jackson and uh, company do this offseason. Also, look for Des Bryant as well to get uh, to go to the Ravens. I don't know if how serious they are with getting uh, uh, Des Bryant. I know he turned them down a couple of years ago, and that was because he wanted to play in the NFC East, and specifically against the Dallas Cowboys. But we'll see just where exactly Des can land. I don't necessarily know if he'll be the type of guy that um, uh, that Lamar can consistently rely on. I don't know if he can be a number one wide receiver, but he's going to be a threat for them, and I think that the team can probably handle him in the locker room, but we'll see. All right, going back to the football game on first and 18. Again, when you have, like, on first and 18, your running back and Mark Ingram can give you, like, 25. Like, that's insane. They were just running amok, literally and figuratively, in Los Angeles. Now, on this play, third and 14, Lamar has them all out wide. He's got all of his receivers, five wide. Lamar rolls to his left. He's looking down the football field. I think he's going to take off. Yep. This didn't go anywhere with that. Some some way, how, I don't know. I don't know how this happened, but apparently it's going to be fourth and four instead of it being like third and something. But Lamar Jackson, he's going to be in the shotgun here. He's going to just roll to his right, fire down the football field, bang. It's cotton. It's a beautiful ball. I don't know how he threw into that much traffic. Third and four. Inside the 15-yard line, at the 12-yard line of the Rams. Lamar double clutches it, bang, throws it to Hollywood. He's like, he wanted to go towards the end zone, but Hollywood was uh, had the first down here. Lamar on third and goal here. Rolls to his left. Gives the ball to Willie Sneed. I think this is just going to be all Sneed here. Yep. Yep. All Sneed. It will be another touchdown for the Ravens. But he had a great game this game. Keep saying it all the time. I keep saying, like, Lamar Jackson, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. He's going to be one of those guys that you look back in the next couple of years and you're going to be like, wow, how did that guy get so great at throwing the football? How did that guy get 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 so, like, I thought he was supposed to be a runner. I, like, everybody compares him to either Tim Tebow or Michael Vick. And I roll my eyes at those comparisons because they, they don't understand this guy. They don't understand how great of a passer he is and how great he could be if he continued to work at it. And I think he will. And I think he is. And I just, I shrug my shoulders and I'm like, people, they just, they don't, they don't get this guy. They don't get him. He, they, they will, they will. I think he's going to be the guy that, uh, that, that, that's going to own his division in the next couple of years. I don't really see the Steelers. They they just lost, I think, their Hall of Fame center and and uh, Mike Pouncey, and Big Ben Roethlisberger is coming back. We'll see how good he is. Remember, he had that uh, that elbow injury at the start of the season, and that kind of not derailed him. That just kept him out for not the majority of the season, the entirety of the season. So we'll see how good he is uh, coming back here. Maybe he'll put uh, provide some pushback against the uh, the Ravens. Also, the Browns look for them to be a little bit better. We'll see, depending on how good uh, Baker Mayfield is. We'll see. 
We'll see. I'm trying to think of other teams that may impress next season with young quarterbacks as well. I don't think the Bengals, maybe the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins if they spend their draft picks wisely, if they know what to do, if they know who they're going to get, things of that nature. I don't like that they were tanking last season, but I also have to I ha- I have to admit this, like they have a fuck ton of first round draft picks. They have three first round draft picks and I think they have two twos. And then next year, I think they have four draft picks that are going to be in the first and in the second round. Like in the next two years, they could have a great roster filled with pro bowlers or just great, not great, but good starters. Like I, they're going to be loaded, man. And then on top of that, they have some veterans here and there to kind of fill some of the holes in that team. I'm not saying that they're going to win the division or anything like that, but it's like, especially when it's like, you know, all of their draft picks or not all of their draft picks, but all of their, all of their essential, like, like capital, I would say that sounds weird when it comes to talking about a football team, but it's, if it feels right, it's like all of their capital, all of their like investments over the last couple of years, all of their, like everything that they have is in the draft. If they fuck up the draft, then like they're going to be back to square one and they're going to have a, a year or two, maybe year three quarterback that's going to be up a creek without a paddle. But, um, you know, it's like if you're the Dolphins, it's like you may want to have a rocky season. Maybe you want to have a 7-9, and nine, maybe 8-8, eight and 6-10 eight, and ten season next year. So that way you can still draft high uh, in, enough to get maybe another offensive lineman, maybe some. We'll, we'll see what they do in the draft here in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, whoever they get, whether it's Tua, whether it's Justin Herbert, whoever they get, they're looking to probably get Tua. Whoever they get, um, they're they're gonna they're gonna freaking have a really really nice setup for him. They're either gonna get offensive linemen, they're gonna help out the defense because Brian Flores is a defensive minded head coach because he was the linebacker coach in the Patriots. They got a shot to do something really really nice in the next couple of years for their football team. They're gonna have a lot of really really solid picks, but um. Moving off of the uh, the Dolphins, I'm trying to think of what what will happen to Deshaun Watson. I know that he's kind of sent some shots towards. I'm going to lower my chair here towards the Houston Texans because of obviously they traded away his number one wide receiver and D Hop. I don't know how he escapes that travesty, man. Because the um, the franchise tag is still there. Teams would have to trade up, like trade away, like two first round draft picks. And if I'm Deshaun, I'm like, bro, like, I'm I'm getting blasted here because my left and my right tackle can't block for me. I hope he doesn't sign back with the Texans because he's going to kind of just placate to that dysfunction. But, I mean, they can just franchise tag him over and over and over again, and he has to play for them. It's like, I don't, I don't know. And it's like, if teams know that he wants out, then why would he, why would they trade two first-round draft picks for him? Probably three, maybe four. Like two firsts and two twos. That's, I think, the price probably minimum for DeAndre. Not DeAndre. Deshaun Watson. Because he's just, I I feel like he's that good. And and I feel like if you put him on a solid NFL football team, if you put him on a football team that actually has guys uh, there to protect him and some more wideouts and a running game, I feel like he could become one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he already is to me. He's, He's easily top top 10 he may be top six maybe top five I don't know but he's in there he's easily top 10 to me everybody keeps on saying well he holds the ball too long he holds the ball and that's why he gets hit like well have you seen his offensive lineman block for him it's like well he has to hold the ball too long if he doesn't if he throw he any he definitely recognizes when and where he can throw the football away but um the issue is is that he doesn't because his team would lose football games if he didn't throw the football away. If he did throw the football away, excuse me. Like that Bills, the the play within the Bills is the exact uh, example, Is excuse me, is the example that I want to use here because he got blasted by two defensive players uh, and I think his left tackle got beat or is his, or was it his right tackle or his right guard? If somebody got beat, just let him just get hit so freaking hard and, and he threw and he had the, the freaking just wherewithal to throw it 
throw the check down to his running back, and he was the underneath man, and he just took it up the field and gained the first down. But if he didn't make that play, they would have lost the football game. So it's like, what do you want him to do? Go down, take a sack, throw the football away? Still probably would have gotten blasted, and they wouldn't have picked up the first down. He has to hold the football. But more importantly, they need to protect his ass, which I don't know how trading away DeAndre Hopkins uh, is protecting your quarterback. Speaking of which, apparently the reason why Bill O'Brien like traded away DeAndre Hopkins and now it's confirmed uh, is because they were trying, like he wanted to restructure his deal. Like that's why, like DeAndre Hopkins wanted to restructure in his deal, which I think we already knew, but now it's just confirmed. Apparently he wanted to restructure his deal and they were like, fuck that. We're giving him away for a third and a fifth. Like, he's the best or one of the best wide receivers in the league. You could have gotten a first and a second easily from the Cardinals. And this is just, and, and everybody has said how bad of a GM move this was, but it's like, again, you could have gotten the first round draft pick out of the uh, the Cardinals, the um, the, the Mackay Beckham, the Andrew Wirfs, you know, a left tackle or right tackle, you could have, depending on if you wanted to convert him from left to right tackle, like, you could have gotten somebody for him. Now, it's like the Cardinals, they'll get somebody for Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray's going to kick up his feet. He's probably drinking mimosas in Arizona right now. I don't know if he can. I I mean, I don't know. He's the Arizona Cardinals quarterback. It's like, you know, I, I don't know if he's underage or not is my point. I'm like, he probably isn't. Point being, Kyler Murray's going to be happy. I don't know how Deshaun Watson is. I uh, I don't I don't know what they're doing in in, in Houston, and I, and I and everybody's covered this ad nauseum, but I don't, I don't know, man. Houston, I I hope Deshaun Watson gets out of there. So I was kind of starting off this podcast. Let me light my candle here. That's not lit up. Bang. Bang. This is a three-wick candle, so it takes a little bit longer to light up. I got a bunch of candles for Christmas. Oh, my gosh. It's going on, like, almost five months. Got them all the way back in December. I got, I think, six candles. I have still not burned through them yet. Technically, I got more because I went in the day after Christmas and they were having this big blockbuster sale trying to get rid of all of their stock, all of their inventory. I have a bunch of uh, the candles that I got for Christmas on top of the candles that I also got because they were on a huge discount because they were trying to move all of their holiday uh, collection of candles. Thank you to Bed Bath & Beyond. They have fantastic candles. Anyways, I was talking about Tony Romo versus Eli Manning. I've seen a lot of great quarterback play in the last couple of years. I've seen Mahomes. I've seen Watson. I've seen Jackson. I've seen Prescott. I've seen uh, Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Wilson. I've seen a lot of football players. A lot of great quarterback play in the last couple of years. When I watched this game last night, I was like, these guys, it's not really, like, they're not really making... Like great plays, like the OBJ catch, it was it was a perfectly thrown football. If I'm honest with you, but the issue was Brandon Carr was committing pass interference, so Odell he had to use his athleticism, he had to use his ability to catch the football to catch. But Eli put it out there, and he, I well, yeah, I think it was a perfectly thrown football. I'm like I was about to say, I was like, would he have caught it if he was falling away? Yeah, I think so. If he wasn't call, if he wasn't falling away, excuse me. Yeah, but Eli Manning threw a perfectly fo- uh, thrown football. Uh, it, it was just the catch because of the pass interference made it look a lot more miraculous than it was. Well, technically, it was a miraculous catch. I'm not gonna lie to you. But beyond that, I was like, man, the quarterback play—it's not—it's not that great. And Tony, he had a good game. He had a good game. He had a good final drive to the game. But I felt like if he played a little bit more consistently, 
uh, throughout the game, he probably would have been able to take home the cheese, take home the, the win, the dub, almost in the first half because the Giants, they didn't really do a whole lot in the first half. And it seemed like the Dallas Cowboys, not 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 the Giants, the Cowboys, excuse me, they didn't do a whole lot in the first half, but they started to pick it themselves up in the second half, but in the first half, they were abysmal, offensively and defensively. I think the Giants scored like 21 points in the first half, then the Cowboys scored 10, or it was like 16 to 10 or 14 to 10 or something. It was a lot of points, man. I was like, Jesus Christ, Cowboys. So I'm a quarterback play, but I was like, Eli is okay, Manning is okay, not Manning, Eli is okay, Romo is okay, but they're not, they're not doing and making the miraculous plays that you would think that they would, I guess. Maybe not miraculous, that's not a great word or great description of like the play that I'm expecting out of these guys. I would say above average play. There were some throws here and there like the Beckham catch, that was a great ball by Manning, but... I was watching this game, and I was like, this game, excuse me, and I was like, man, the quarterback play isn't great. Like, Manning had a great first half, then kind of a okay second half. Romo had uh, an okay first half, but then a, you know, a great second half, and it's like, I just wish they were a little bit more consistent. I guess. This first half, second half. Consistency. Also, I didn't like the decision-making, especially out of Tony, where it seemed like when all else fails, he just threw it to uh, to Des Bryant, which this is peak Des Bryant, but I'm watching this drive. I think this is the drive that they score. It's first and 10, 35-yard line. Tony just threw a first down. It seemed like when Tony got into trouble, he would just throw it to Dez, not just like 50-50 balls, but in-breaking balls, like uh, like uh, I think Dez just ran a slant or a post, and Tony just threw it to him, and um, it was double covered, and he got just destroyed, but when it comes to, uh, when, it, when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys here, when it comes to Tony Romo, I was like, man, like, it kind of reminded me why I like Dak Prescott so much. To be honest with you, it's kind of why I like some of the new guys a lot because the quarterback play, man, it's it's not mediocre. It is above average to significantly above average. Again, talking about that L freaky, that L Jack, that Lamar Jackson, Axon Jackson, man, like that's that Rams game. I was significantly above average play by him. I can't remember how many yards he had, but I think I don't. It wasn't. I don't think it was that impressive when it came to his yards. Uh, through the air, but his efficiency through the air when it came to touchdowns was fantastic. And I'm watching this game, and I'm like, "This is Sunday Night Football, by the way." And this w- this game was like okay when it came to the quarterback play and the coaches too, by the way. And Tom Coughlin is coaching as well. And I'm like, "Man, this is just not very good comparatively to some of the stuff I see now." What I mean by that is, it seemed like the decision-making of Tony and Eli was kind of similar in the sense of, I have my guy, Odell, Dez, I'm going to throw it to them if I ever get into trouble. Um, I'm not really going to utilize a lot of my receiving core, I'm just going to go to those guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. A great example is Cole Beasley. I felt like he was underutilized for the majority of this game. But right now, Dallas is just running and matriculating the ball up the field. Romo under center. He's in the eye right now. Bang. He's going to give it to Marco Murray. On second and six. He's almost got the first down. But it's like... <clears throat> the quarterback play, man, in this game is... It's night and day. It really is. It really is. I don't think you'll ever see a stretch where there's going to be how many how many great quarterbacks are there in the league right now? There's Mahomes, 
And the and I'm only going to count young guys. So these are guys that are probably going to be below uh, like 30 years old. There's Watson, Mahomes, Lamar, and then Dak. And then I really like depending on what they do with Burrow, depending on what they do with Tua. I think they're a couple of years away from being some really really nice players, but we'll see. We'll see. And then you have Trevor Lawrence come in. I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I really really like some of the, like I I like that the some of the youngest guys in the league, some of the best quarterbacks in the league are also pretty young. Like it's not just Tony and Drew Brees. And we're not talking like, oh, okay, they're slightly above average. No, these guys are playing as good, if not better, than some of the best quarterbacks in the league or some of the best quarterbacks that have been in the league for the past 10 to 15 years. We're talking they're playing on the level of Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and Tom Brady. Like, that's how fucking good some of these young guys are. They may not necessarily, like, and a lot of people, they get things twisted whenever people say, man, they're playing as good, if not better, than Tony Romo, or not Tony Romo, excuse me, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. It doesn't mean that their legacy or their record or whatever is better than them. They're just saying their quarterback play right now is better than some of the older guys that are in the league right now, which a lot of people get confused, which they shouldn't, it's. You know, it's it's a props to the young guys and a props to the old guys because the old guys are still pretty damn good. Just saying. A lot of people want Brady out. I don't know why. A lot of people want Breeze out. I don't know why. Speaking of Breeze, apparently ESPN is still trying to uh, get him in that Monday night booth. Now, I don't understand what ESPN is doing because I read online who they want. They want um, Steve Higgs. I wouldn't mind that. They want another guy who I haven't even heard of. And they want Dan Orlinsky. Orlovsky. And you know what? He actually may get the fucking job. Which would be pretty fucking sad because Sunday Night Football would go down the shitter. Um, I get it. I'm not an expert. I'm not an analyst. I'm a fan who just reads stats and watches football games, and that's all I'll ever be. I get that. However, I don't think that a dude in Dan, and I have his entire fucking career, Dan Orlovsky, should be the fucking play-by-play caller in the booth. Just saying he shouldn't be. First and foremost, I have his fucking entire fucking career on deck right now. He's 36 years old fucking entire career he's been playing football for since uh 2005 retired in 2017 12 year career he was a perennial backup he played for the detroit lions the houston texans the colts the bear the buccaneers the lions and then the rams once again he was a perennial backup he was a fifth rounder i'm not even going to read you his stats because there are years where he didn't throw a football pretty much let me pull this clip up maybe you recognize this guy I pull this clip up for you let me pull it up hold on Here we go. They just pulled it up for me. Let's uh let's listen to this. Listen to this. Sorry about that. Roy Williams, Calvin Johnson, two of their biggest players. Third and ten. Here comes Jared Allen, and he's out of bounds. Poor guy. I don't even know if he realized it. And that's a safety. Well, so much for me calling him savvy because he had no idea where he's on the field. Tough situation, but you just can't do that. You have to realize, and you can see him, he didn't even know he was out of bounds. Tough situation for a young quarterback, but you always got to be aware, Ron, of the situation, where you are. But listen, I mean, being on the one-yard line, having to throw to your end zone three times in a row, tough spot to be in. It goes back to the, the drop ball by Johnson. I mean, you can't ask a guy who hasn't played much in his four years here, three years in, in Detroit. Four to three years. This isn't the rookie season. This is uh, four to three years that he's been in Detroit. To throw a better ball backed up in his own end zone against Minnesota. 
And the Lions have gotten behind, as you can see, early on. And now we'll find the character up. Let's find, I mean, they haven't scored in the first quarter all year. They won't going to do it here only, unless, I shouldn't say that, maybe they get a kickoff fumble and they return it, but only 18 seconds left. You wouldn't think so. But this is where you hope the message that Rod Marinelli has preached to this team week in and week out since, you know, OTA days all the way through training camp, that they still buy in, will hang in there. It's only 2 nothing. So if you aren't familiar with that play, sorry about that. If you aren't familiar with that play, that was the play where the Detroit Lion quarterback, and you've probably seen pictures of this, that was the play where the Detroit Lion quarterback runs into the back of the end zone uh, and gets a safety, <clears throat> has absolutely no idea where he is, Four, fourth to third year being an NFL quarterback, no idea where he is, and he just runs out of bounds. I don't know where he was thinking he was going, and he just gets a safety. That's Dan Orlovsky. Now, ironically enough, this fits beautifully in with what I'm talking about right now. He has a list of his top five quarterbacks in the league. He has uh, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers. Pretty good names. Pretty great uh, list in some ways. I wouldn't have Brady up there that high. I know he didn't have that great of a wide receiving core this year. Um, But I also think he didn't necessarily make some of the throws that he needed to make. Not saying that he's on a decline. I think he's going to have an improved season. But, like, didn't have a great season at the quarterback position. He's still Tom. I think he'll be better. I I mean, not think. I know he'll be better in in, in the Buccaneers, with the Buccaneers. But if if you told me... Hey, 24, who would you have at one and two as your top five quarterbacks? Oh, no, these are NFC quarterbacks. Never mind. So I was like, I was like, wait a second. He doesn't have Tom Brady on the list. Not Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes on the list. What the fuck are you doing? I kind of agree with that list now, actually. He doesn't have Dak Prescott on that list, and Carson Wentz is abhorrently way too high. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why would he have Carson Wentz at number four whatsoever when Dak Prescott... So they're showing um, the QBR quarterback rating of um, of these players, of Tom Brady, Pey- not Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Let me pull up Dak's QBR. I don't use the stat. It's an ESPN stat. Um, I don't like that, that it's only used by ESPN and they made it up. Literally, they made it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dak had the fourth highest QBR, excuse me, in the league. Lamar Jackson was one. Patrick Mahomes was two. Drew Brees was three. Then Dak Prescott, fourth. Russell Wilson, five. Stafford, six. Deshaun Watson, seventh. Uh, Fitzpatrick, eighth. Tannehill, ninth. Derek Carr, tenth. And then at 11th was Carson Wentz. So, I don't. I don't like those numbers at all. So like, because that's essentially saying Ryan Tannehill and and um, and freaking Fitzpatrick are better quarterbacks than Tom Brady during that season. I'm like, gotta disagree with that. But uh, top NFC quarterbacks, Dak Prescott isn't on that list. I don't understand why. Um, yeah, I would agree that Russell Wilson is probably the best NFC quarterback in the league, and then Tom Brady, and then, yeah, Drew Brees. I'd I'd probably put Dak Prescott over Aaron Rodgers right now, because I think Aaron Rodgers is on a decline. Look at his numbers, look at his play, look at him against the 49ers in the frickin' playoffs. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand why he would put um, Carson Wentz at four. Now, this is the guy that is apparently going to be in strong consideration and contention for uh, getting the Monday Night Football job. And let me tell you, this is why. I'll play you a short little clip of him debating on first take here. And Rodgers was better. And that was in an off year for Rodgers. You want to put Wentz ahead of him? Dan, are you, have you lost your mind? My turn now, or is Stephen A. going? 
No, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. This is between you and Max. Uh, Max, Max, first of all, you came on and you said, no, I don't agree. And all you did was recap Carson Wentz's uh, season last year, which is incorrectly viewed by you. Like, you didn't tell me why you don't, don't think he should be four or who you think should be ahead of him other than the last four seconds when you said Aaron Rodgers. So I don't need you to recap what last season was. Incorrectly. 2018, when you talk about when Nick Foles comes in, 2018, before he ended up going out and Foles came in, he had 21 touchdowns and seven interceptions, okay? That's the reason. Because he's great at debating. And he's great at providing anecdotal evidence and things of that nature and blah, 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 blah. So he said Carson Wentz was 21 and seven. Going to just close some tabs here because I'm done with that. Said that Carson Wentz, oh, Carson Wentz was 21 and seven and he had a bunch of great numbers and he had this and he had that and he lost six of five last season and he got pulled because he was six of five last season. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, karma is a bitch. And because I fucking love this shit. Now, a lot of people say all the time, Dak Prescott, oh my God, padded his stats last season and blah, blah, blah. Dan has been a proponent of that for the last um, the last couple of months, uh, for almost a year, really. Everybody says, well, Dak pads his stats, blah, blah, blah. Check this out. One against the Colts, one against the Giants, one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that point in the time. Pretty bad season. Uh, not pretty bad season. Pretty bad team. Uh, one against the Giants. One against Washington. So that is four divisional teams that he beat and one non-divisional team. I want to know what his losses were. Lost against Tennessee. Lost against Minnesota. Lost against Carolina. Lost against the Dallas Cowboys twice. Lost against the Saints. Badly, I might add. And that's it. He had six losses on his resume. You want to know where his best games were, unironically enough? Oh my God, it was the games that he lost horribly, in some cases, and also games where he padded his stats as well. For instance, the 348 yards, two touchdowns, 23 and 20, 23 to 26 loss against Tennessee. The 23 to 21 loss against Miami, or not Miami, Minnesota, 311 yards, two touchdowns. The loss against Carolina, where he had an 81% completion percentage, 30 of 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns, 17 to 21 loss against Carolina. Then he had the uh, the freaking 20 to 27 loss against the Dallas Cowboys, where he threw for 72% completion percentage. Oh my God, Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. Two touchdowns, one interception, 360 yards. Oh, and by the way, Dallas had three turnovers in that football game. Lost that game in overtime. Against the Saints, he had 156 yards, and he got smashed in the mouth. 48-7, to 57, uh, 57% completion percentage, three fucking interceptions. Then, against the Dallas Cowboys again, he had three touchdowns. Didn't do him a whole lot. And by the way, the three touchdowns came at the end of the game, pretty much. Uh, 228 yards, 68% completion percentage, 22 of 32. By the way, this team that he was playing on would go on to beat the Bears in the playoffs and almost beat the Saints if Alshon Jeffrey had freaking caught that football instead of letting it just, just go through his hands and get picked. That's Carson Wentz. I'm like, I'm so glad that Dan talked about the 2018 season so that way I would check his numbers and make sure everybody is uh, everything is is up to par because he forgets to mention that Carson Wentz had all of his best games in garbage time. Also by the way, uh in some of these games he has an incredible amount of sacks on them as well. Uh like hold on. Yep. 5 4 3 4 4 3 3. Mm-mm-mm. So, just saying. <laughs>
Just saying. I don't like Carson Wentz uh, as a quarterback. I I don't get him. I get that he's talented. Everybody keeps on saying he's talented. Um, but I haven't seen that talent transition to the pros scene yet. Uh, I've seen the talent of Deshaun Watson transfer to the pro scene. I've seen the talent of Patrick Mahomes, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, AFC Championship game, lost to the Patriots. Seen him transfer to the league, MVP year, first year playing, uh, first year starting, excuse me, for a full season, uh, second year in the league. Third year in the league, he's a Super Bowl MVP and wins the Super Bowl. Uh, saw that tr- saw his talent transfer, saw Deshaun's transfer, saw Lamar's transfer. Who else is a quarterback that I really, really like whose talent is transferring to the league? Dak doesn't have a lot of talent, so I can't say that he his talent has transferred to the league because he doesn't really have a lot. Who else? Who, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a great example of talent transferring to the league, obviously. But I have not seen Carson Wentz be like Lamar or Deshaun or Mahomes where I, I've seen him throw off schedule, off off balance, fade away shots. Haven't seen him be as dynamic and as playmaking as Deshaun or Lamar. And Max Kellerman, he made a fantastic point during that debate. Uh, I didn't play it for you, but essentially Carson Wentz beats up on the division, on the NFC East. And every single time I watch him play, and every single year I'm, I watch him, I'm like, man, he's close to losing some of these games. Like against freaking the uh, the Giants, he was twenty five. Uh, he it was twenty five to twenty two against Washington, twenty eight to thirteen. Not close, but getting there. And he blew the front door open on the Giants uh, the, uh, last year or two, two years ago. Excuse me, thirty four to thirteen. But some of these games that he's that he's winning, he should be blowing. He he should he should be freaking destroying some of these teams. He should not be losing to Dallas twice a year if he's that dude. I mean, I just, with Wentz, I don't, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't get the whole Wentz thing. I don't get Wentzylvania. I don't get Wentz in a lifetime. I don't, I don't get the whole hype with Wentz. And it's all being predicated off of a dude that has the best shot of being in the Monday Night Football booth instead of Pat McAfee, who I I don't understand why ESPN hired him if if they're not going to give him a shot in the booth. I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It's like, yeah, you know, because you don't want an expert. You want somebody who's just going to talk a bunch of shit. Okay. Is that everything that I got for you today? I know this is a short podcast, but I'm, I'm tired. I don't know if you can tell just by how tired I am. Talked about Monday Night Football. Talked about everything. I'm going to take a, a day break, man. I'm so tired. I've, I've been working hard. Working hard. It's just, eh. I hope you're. I hope you're okay. I went outside today for the first time. Well, well, you know what? I think, I think I'm going to take a break. Not, 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 well, like I went outside today and, you know, I've like not outside, but I went out, I went grocery shopping today, you know, I went grocery shopping today. I did everything that I needed to do today. I worked my ass off. And it's like I went grocery shopping and I haven't and I, and I kind of like realized I haven't like been out of my house in like 2 weeks, I think. 2 to 3 weeks. I've been I I have a lot of food at my house. I I need to go grocery shopping again um soon, but I have food. My family is safe, I'm safe. It's just it was like kind of discombobulating to go out of my house. Like I'm, I, you know, I, I don't mind being in my house and things of that nature, but it's just like it was weird to me. And it's like it, it was kind of like I've worked almost every single day for like two weeks straight. So I don't know. Just it was kind of jarring to me. I don't want to necessarily give myself a way out, but I don't know. The podcast will continue to come. Um, I think I'm gonna take a day. I think I'm gonna kind of just relax here today. Not really think about work. Just gonna kind of put work on the back end of my mind, and I like I got some reading to do. You know, I I, I like to read a whole lot, and I was reading um, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury came out with a fucking fantastic book. Um, I I've been you know I I, I know I procrastinated with playing StarCraft two today, but I kind of just wanted to, you know, kind of unwind today because I was I I mean I've I worked a lot. That was my bad, but. 
you know, I just, I kind of just want to take a little bit of a break today, which it's like, I take a break from the podcast every Tuesday, but I don't necessarily take a break from working. So if that makes sense, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like to give myself breaks. I don't like to give myself excuses and room to breathe because bad habits form then like I shouldn't have played Starcraft 2 and and I'll get on myself for that I'll probably I'll probably I, I mean I don't know if I'll take a full break today or whatever but I definitely do need some space I don't know I don't know but um I also recognize that I'm kind of lucky to be working as well too so which is you know it's so it's something that you wouldn't necessarily like think, but it's like, you know, like, you know, some, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm very, very lucky to be in the situation that I'm in, but I got to take advantage of it while also striking up a balance of just understanding relaxation and, and, um, and also, you know, going hard at it, I guess. I don't know. I don't like to be lazy, but ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Um, I'm going to take a break. Uh, I've got, I'm going to take a short rest, as they say uh, in one of my favorite video games of all time, Persona 5. Uh, you know, there's these little sections of the of the game where you can take a break in and stuff like that. I'm going to take a break. Going to do some reading. Going to do some sleeping. Going to watch some TV and stuff like that. Maybe even do some writing. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been 24's podcast, the best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Uh, if you like this podcast, you can find this podcast anywhere where podcasts can be found. Ladies and gentlemen, stay safe out there. Um, don't fucking go outside because <laughs> outside it's a weird fucking place. But ladies and gentlemen, until my next podcast, I hope you have a fantastic day. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>